Something you've had to so, sacrifice for a better cause. Yes. Yes, I mean the biggest thing is still you know how you look at society and I mean the biggest thing is sacrifice and the negativity and you know it's just viewed so bad and you know so the point I guess the point is is you know in the marriage and even you know people go into marriage still like she was saying still independently you know you're married but still people don't feel like you have to make the sacrifice there's still that you know well I'm my own person and I'm going to continue doing my guy things and she can go do whatever she wants and you know where's the sacrifice in that and um so it's how you know because that's how we were in a way with a lot of things and then now you look back and it's i mean a huge turnaround so it's you know now to the point of it you're sacrificing you don't even think twice about that you're actually doing it you know and it's not to so much as I'm sacrificing this to, you know, get a personal gain out of it. It's just it, makes be, it becomes. Good. It makes you feel good. Natural. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's how I guess how in a marriage is what is the what are some things that are the right way to make sacrifices in a marriage or any relationship? You know, the what's that? Was she, was oh she my saying? God! It's open mic night. <laughs> so she picked on me a lot, right? No, because this is so funny. Because me and CJ had lunch today, and we talked about this. I believe is this the same thing? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think exactly. <laughs> but I asked him. I said, "How do we know that we're putting? Like, how do I know that I'm putting his needs?" above my needs and how do I know that you're putting his needs before my needs or yeah you know what I mean yeah kind of confusing and so we talked about that and then I guess he just said well I guess we have to find out what are your needs and so I don't know because this is on my heart too and we talked about it but I think this is awesome let it go Sacrifice the mic. <laughs> Want to give it up? I'm telling you, she get one night at the talk and it's, it's been over. With. Um, yeah, what we talked about uh, was for Tori, it's quality time and all five love languages at all times, but it's extremely quality time. And what I've had to sacrifice, what I've noticed is not having my own time. You know. Coming home from being here and then, you know, being very mobile, and I don't see her all day, the very first five, ten minutes, she does want to know what's going on in my day or in my life. And I have to put my phone down because I haven't had decompression time. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, up until that point, so when I come home, I do want to relax, but I do have to understand that she does have needs. So it's really putting her time before my own time. And that's what I've Realize today that I'm going to have to do what I've been trying to practice is um, sacrificing my own time for her time. And the more time she gets, the more time I probably will eventually have. Um, and I, I do understand now that probably 
the time that I will get would be alone for myself would be early in the morning. Yeah. That'll be that time. But that's what we, we talked about that this morning. And I would say you would have to know what the needs are of the other person. And for me, it's um, I'm only going off of the love languages would be, you know, maybe words of affirmation and quality time at times and possibly touch. But that really goes hand in hand with whatever she wants right now, too. So it's whenever it changes and it shifts, how can we learn to sacrifice outside of that or change our sacrifice? I told you, man. She wanted. I feel like it changes sometimes, you know? Like, yeah, yeah okay. You never know when it's going to change and you just have to adjust. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like recently I know, you know, and I guess one of the one of my biggest struggles has been, you know, as to your point, Chris, of knowing what she needs. And, you know, I've, I guess I've fought it, you know, for a long time. But recently, you know, I realized what, you know, like she was saying, she quit work to be a stay-at-home mom and then the real estate thing popped up and all that. And so now, you know, she's trying to move into that. And I know after being home with Mills all day long, it's like it, it was – she would have to ask me to, hey, can you do this? But now it's, I've tried to make it a point to be more aware and catch it and know what she needs without her having to say it. And so, like, I just gotten to the point where I just, I just try to catch it beforehand. And yeah, because, because yeah, I want to, you know, we bought this house and all that. And I got all these projects. And I just want to go outside and do them and not have to worry about anything else and yeah it hurts i want to do it but yeah i got stuff i like to do too i like to do the same thing but um but yeah he has gotten a lot better about that but it didn't just happen like and then like i had to take a step back and realize that i mean he know like you have to make sure that they know your needs like he can't just read my mind and a lot of times i was kind of expecting him to like why yeah all of this y'all sound so much like Carrie and I when we first started going through all this Mm -hmm. it develops it develops because I can remember with us struggling with I would get so upset because I was I would say something and he's like baby you need to tell me that's what you need and I'm like but me telling you that that's what I need it's not you doing it because you love me or you know me or you want to do it. It's me telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do it because I'm telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to read me and know what I want. But I remember all, I remember a conversation we had about that. It was, I don't remember what it was, my birthday or something and you, no, no. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know, it was ever something and and you were like, baby, I didn't mean to upset you. I'm just a man. I don't know these things. And I remember saying, you were like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I was like, no. You're only doing it because I told you to do it. And I don't want you to do it now because I told you to do it. That's just defeating the purpose. But over time, all these little things you're going through, like getting upset with him the other day. Golly, y'all have heard us testimony after testimony after testimony of how we've broken out screaming at each other. But now... If we do yell or fuss at each other, it's like two seconds later, <gasps> I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I, in both of us, it's he does it sometimes, I do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
But it gets better. It doesn't go overnight into the next day. Yeah. Well, it's definitely got better because it used to be like three or four days in between. So <laughs> the fact that it's gotten, I mean, I know it's a work in progress, but. It is. And like with y'all talking about your time and her time and, and right now you're newly married. My goodness. She wants you all the time. Where'd you go? Who'd you talk to? <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Over. But over time, you're going to start reading each other and knowing, okay, he needs some alone time right now, and and you're gonna you're, you're gonna be okay with that. And I told Chris because he's I feel like maybe this is like a woman trait. I don't know, but he's not very attentive. He doesn't really pay attention to those things. We could be talking about something, and he could mention like, oh, I really want to go to a or I really want to go to a Braves game or something. I will remember that, yes. and I'll be like. Ooh, let and me surprise like him with this. That you remembered it. Yeah, <laughs> this guy. I don't. I'm like, do you remember? Do you even it's listen when I'm? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was telling him. I said sometimes you can feel. I feel like it's so heavy. I try my best not to nag or say anything, so I just sit there. Uh-huh. And I'm like, <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. I'm like, babe, you have to be attentive. You should just know. Like, you should be able to feel it, but, you know. I think the hardest thing, and, you know, I know she she struggled with it, letting things build up. And it's like, I mean, you got to realize that, you know, you're here, obviously, for each other. You know, she can, when I'm having a rough day, she can be my strength and vice versa and all that. And it, it's, you know, realizing that and not – getting to the point of where you're not, you know, she's mad at me and then I just react and get mad at her and then we're both mad and, you know, just not letting that get to each other. But I don't know. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's all just a work in progress. So. When we get into the order in Ephesians 5, and the, and the most beautiful thing is is when the Holy Spirit begins to interject into the marriage and where we're submitting to one another, then it's amazing how much you will see what she needs without her asking. And she will know what you want without you asking. Now, to your point a while ago when you said, when I caught, well, you said your definition of sacrifice was something I'm giving up for the better good. Do you know the words, I'm sorry, is a sacrifice? <laughs> it is a sacrifice. So you calling him, and this is the beauty, and this is where growth begins to explode. When you humble yourself to one another in submitting to one another, now when we do that, what happens is, Man, when he heard, you know what, Drew, I blew it. I I exploded. I had a girl moment, okay? What he's really hearing is she's recognizing what she did. Exactly. She's, She's recognizing how you reacted. And now all it does is unite you. Closer. And even to that, like, you know, in the in the past, like if she would do that, it's I wouldn't accept the apology. I wanted to beat it back in her brain of what she did. And, you know, now it's to the point I don't, You, I guess you accept it and just, okay, we're done, move on. And, you know, I guess when that happened, it's like, you know, I just tried to talk to her the following morning and all that, and that's really all I was trying to do. 
and she felt like I was just repeating myself and trying to beat in the ground. And so I saw it going to that, like the conversation started going that way, and I was like, okay, you know, don't get into it. Bye. I got to go to work. This is what and I've then, learned. I'm sorry. No, and then I'm just saying, I, I just, before we'd have gone back and forth, and I've been late for work and, you know, all that, and, and it had gotten worse. And I just tried to realize, just let her finish. You know, it may hurt you or whatever, but move on. Don't say anything back and just part ways. That's the key. That's and the so key is not saying anything. I really tried to do that this time and let it work itself out. And then next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call with an apology. So, no, I'm... I'm there's two verses here. One I talked to Kim because one time Kim came in and she had a really tough day. Remember that one? It was a couple months ago. She came in and she had a tough day, right? But it was really cool because when Paul came here, Paul reminded us that a um, a man is the was created in the image and glory of God. But then he said the woman was created for the glory of a man. Okay, now that was how the first creation happened, Adam. So remember, when we step into things, you know what I mean? Um, if a man is in relationship with the Lord and growing in his word, just like Jean says, a man will wash the woman with truth, and then in turn, she'll want to love him. So if you know your marriage is ordained by God, that, that whole formula is going to work. If the man stays in Christ, and he teaches her that, not beating it into her, but teaching that she actually turns and becomes the word back to him. All right. Now this is really deep. It says in, um, this is in um, 1 Corinthians. It says, nevertheless, in the Lord, there is neither a wife without a husband. Nevertheless, in the Lord, nor a husband without a wife. Okay. So if this is a godly marriage, which they had to actually hear that. God had to show them that they were, because when they got married, they really were marrying in his will, not knowing. I love how God just tricked the two of them right into where they needed to be. Okay. But that's what he did. Okay. And then the same with, with you two. Think about it. You were in your flesh and the whole time God was trying to bring you apart to bring you back together. So, but since you were of him, you can't be without each other. Same with paid. You get you can't be without because the glory is going to be in the outcome. What is the final outcome? It goes on to then say, for just as the wife is not without the husband, so the husband is through, born of a woman, and all things are from God. So now the first Adam, he was created, and then the woman was taken out of him. But the second Adam, Jesus. He came from the womb of a woman. So now we are on a fair playing field. That means, women, if we learn how to nurture our husbands as the son of God. So if you can look at Carrie, he's the son. Of, I get to nurture him. If Tori looks at him, this is the son of God. I'm going to get to what? Nurture him. If you nurture him, now it says he will raise up more in his vision with God and then he washes you. You see how the cycle keeps going? So two can't be without each other. So I just wanted to bring that because it also says in Songs of Solomon, 
chapter 5, Songs of Solomon, this is beautiful. Every marriage is to create a garden that is sanctified, holy unto God. So there's a garden that you two have that's holy unto God. Once you say, I do, and that clicks, he's trying to develop a sacred garden. Now, here's something. You'll laugh at this verse because it's so sweet how God tries to tell you how good you are. Do you know how, like, you can't have peanut butter without what? Right. Why? Peanut butter needs jelly. I, I found the greatest book for Christmas. It was called it was called Peanut Butter and Cupcake. Well, Peanut Butter and Cupcake didn't work, right? Because cupcake works with icing. Icing works with cake, right? Well, I gave it to Paige and Carrie because they're peanut butter and jelly, right? They work together because they're peanut butter and jelly. The book was awesome. But the Lord gave me this verse that really motivated it. He says, I have come into my garden. This is the Lord. The Lord says, I have come into my garden. Smith Garden, Battle Garden, Rodenberg Garden, right? I have come into my garden. It says, my sister, my bride. Okay, now think about it. You are the bride of Christ together. But now look in your relationship. She is your sister first. Then she becomes your bride. See, we get married. We rush down the aisle as the bride, and we didn't even become the sister, right? We didn't even become the what? The friend. And he says, he says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my mirth with my spice. All right? Mirth is an anointing oil. So think about that. The man is the oil and the woman is the what? Spice. So you can't, he says, that's what I need it. I need that together in the garden. He needs the two of you. And then he goes on to say, which I think this is romantic. Isn't this romantic? Right? You're mir- you guys are mirth and she's the spice, right? Turn around and say, I love you, my baby spice. <laughs> right? No, think about it. This is romantic. This is, a, this is how God wants us to work together. You need the spice in the oil to really make what? The scent. The scent of the garden. I think that's beautiful. And then it just finishes up with saying, it, just, it, it, it says, I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey, right? So that means you've come together and you've enjoyed it. And then it says, I have drunk my wine with my milk. See, wine is the maturity, but milk is the woman she nurtures. Man is the wine, the wisdom of God, of the truth, and she nurtures it. Isn't that romantic? It's chapter five. I'm telling you, Song of Solomon is romantic. So think about that. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because you guys are learning how to be the mirth and the spice, the, the wine and the milk. But if it says, right, but now that we are after Jesus Christ, a woman has a responsibility to nurture and birth out the vision that's in the man she's with. And the man, he is, it's his responsibility to respect and honor her and to give her that truth so that the love will change. We Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service in spiritual spiritual." worship 
Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So that, I mean, you could go off in like three or four different ways with that one. But, um, I mean, you have to have a, a renewed mind. I mean, Gene teaches that all the time, but that's kind of the beginning. I mean, without a renewed mind, you're going to really go nowhere. And until you make yourself, till you die to yourself, as Gene was teaching yesterday. I was just really meant to be here yesterday, I think. Um, but as you die to yourself, and renew your mind and not right. transform to the world or not transform conforming to the world and the sacrifice is you know transforming to something new you know you're sacrificing all that old stuff for new better things and that's what's hard yeah well it's hard to to, it really is hard to stop being conformed to the world mm-hmm. when you take the shift of the change because you will experience persecution. It's, and he says, praise God. That's the sign you know you're on the right course when you start experiencing the persecution of the transformation. You know what I mean? And so nobody's for it. I watched Chris and Tori. No, people were not for it. Your families were not for your marriage. You know what I mean? But it was a... <laughs> no well when we, we we got engaged her sister was standing there in in the front door of our house and we told her we were getting married and we got engaged in october and we set a date for november the 20th so it was like 18th right it was just a month away and her sister looked at us didn't open her mouth and walked out the door and got in her car and left. Didn't say congratulations. Didn't didn't say anything. Just looked at both of us like deer in headlights. She called her dad. Dad, I'm getting married. This is what I heard. She held the phone back. And I said, I thought to myself, Wow. <laughs> I said, this is going to be prove, this is going to be fun proving to this family that I love this woman. Now they all know that I love her. They accept me. But then, wow. But that's because they knew the old Carrie. And I knew, I mean, God was telling me in my heart, this is what this is to be. Because the three years we dated, I didn't know it. And I kept telling them all of the bad stuff and I'm not going to marry this man. And Yeah. Um, well, it's funny that you bring up persecution because I didn't really relate the two until you were just talking about that. But Drew heard the story on the way here. But um, what? Okay, never mind. We're not in agreement. I'm not going to speak it. Yes. 
No, never mind. No. Persecution. Okay, now we, we can talk about it. Um, so my sister's married and she, they've been married almost two years. Anyways, um, I know that her husband, I'm probably not his, well, I have felt that I'm not his biggest fan or whatever. He doesn't really care for me. That's what I have felt. He's nice. We're hospitable, whatever, but like you just kind of know. So she was at my house earlier today and, um, he calls when she's there and anyways, he, I'll try to not be as detailed, but he gets in a tizzy and all that. And why are you at her house? Why do you feel like you need to go over there? And he's at work. So it's not like he was at home waiting on her or anything. So they kind of get into it or whatever. So then she hangs up the phone and, um, I wasn't going to say anything. And then she's, she brought it up and she's like, he's driving me crazy with this stuff. And I was like, what? And she said, he really hates it when I hang out with you. Like he does not like it. And this is my twin that we literally talk five to 10 times a day, even if it's for like five seconds. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand it and that's fine. Listen, this isn't the first person that we've come across that doesn't understand our relationship. I don't care. I don't, I don't care to try to get other people to, Yes, and I don't care to try to get other people to see it because they're not in it. They might not get it, whatever. Anyways, that's a whole other story. So she, I just kind of sit there and she goes into details. Apparently this is like an issue in their marriage that they've had several discussions about that I'm not, I wasn't really aware that like I was an issue in their marriage, but I am sitting there and I really, I have so much peace on it because old Kim would have been like, well, why does he not like me? And da, 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 and would have gotten into it with her and all that. And I'm just sitting there and I kind of was laughing because I was like, I mean, this is kind of funny because it's something that he has to work out. But anyway, so it's persecution from that because this is someone that I'm extremely, probably besides Drew, the closest to in my life. And, um, her husband doesn't like me and, or doesn't like her hanging out with me, he feels threatened by me apparently and all that. So that's just a whole nother. So anyways, I'll spare you the details, but we talked, talked about it, but because of persecution, because I know that I'm doing the right thing and I didn't, it didn't phase me or anything. I kept peace with it. And I mean, I don't know how it connects to sacrifice or anything, but it just rang a bell when she started talking about persecution. Yeah. You're sacrificing that side of it. Yeah, you were like sacrificing because you did not feel the need to defend yourself. And it always says in the word, the one who is offended is the one that needs to come to the one who's not offended. But when they come, you're supposed to be open armed and loving to them. You know what I mean? Not get into the offense. Yeah. So a persecution shows up, and it's always going to be through people who are closest to you which is that you took it with peace because you are getting used to that now. She's recognizing the persecution and knowing I'm on the right track. I'm getting to where God wants me to go. And one day, the one who's offended will come talk to you, but it's not your responsibility to go mend it Yeah, because it's not created. It's just for you as a, I'm on the right track with God in my life. It has nothing to do with him. He's the sign she's on the right track. His offense will eventually come out because he's not saved. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it's his day, God has his appointed day, 
And then he'll say, I don't know why I was ever offended with you. Yeah. Because it's just the iniquity and the anger and the enmity that's in him against God that he doesn't even know he has. Anybody who has an offense with a person and they are deeply hurt, it's the enmity in them that's against what God's telling them to do. Do you understand? Everybody has darkness. So there's a measure of enmity in all of us that we resist God. So when somebody's resisting God, they're, if, and because they're alienating a person for no reason, that's the enmity because they know the God that's in them is what they need to get to their next mood, and they have no idea they need it. Mm-hmm. You see it? Mm-hmm. But yet it's the you're on the right track. You're on the, and couples suffer that the most. When two come together for the garden, God has a special plan working there. And that's what the enemy wants to divide, like we said in marriage counseling. I said, everybody better just cough up now. They're afraid to let the other one know because after you say, I do, that's exactly what the enemy will use to divide your marriage. And in our marriage counseling, if they didn't have done that, that's what the enemy would have done. And it would would cause them to to think they were getting divorced. You went through it. Mm -hmm. You didn't go through the spiritual marriage counseling before, but you were designed by God. So you had to go through that wedge that was, that wedge was amazing. Their wedge because of what they hadn't step through that part that you step through. But that's what the enemy wants to use every time. Mm-hmm. The stronger you two get, that person, you right, you had peace yeah. because you've been growing in Christ. So you're like, hey. And I helped her. I was like, I told her not to get mad at him. Don't yell at him. I told her. And then you also have to remind her, her yeah. you may be my twin, but that's your husband. And yeah. And you get to teach that. her that because yeah. you made me my twin, but Drew is. Yeah. Drew is your other half now, not her anymore. Yeah. But yet, you have to be delicate with twins so that they can accept that. Because I'm sure Drew. Yeah. Yeah. We've come a long way with that. I know. No, she likes Drew now, but at the beginning of our relationship and marriage, really nobody in my family cared for him because they knew. The same thing. They knew the old Drew. They knew when we were all living together, they heard the arguments and the leaving and the saying mean things. I mean, yeah. And my, when we, when, um, when I had a, a, one of the breakthroughs with my family last November, because we had gone to a wedding down there and that weekend was when I had one of the breakthroughs with my family, actually with my dad first. And um, told them, like, I know that y'all have a problem with Drew, but I love him and things, you know, basically where we are now and where we are with church and spiritually and stuff. I had to have that conversation with them, which is so hard for them to comprehend because I was so not anything like that before, like the Kim that they know for 28, 29 years before I came here. So, um, but my younger sister, she is a believer and she's strong and stuff like that, but she's, she's the one that kind of said it. Like we like Drew now, but you have to understand where we were coming from as a world perspective. We knew the Drew that, you know, would yell at you and y'all would leave and argue and all this kind of stuff and everything. She's like, and when you're like our younger sister, we're really close to like when, when we're, you're close and you love each other, love someone that much, it's hard to just say, okay, we accept you now and we love you and all that. So, but things are a lot better now. You know that they are. So, 
I just took a little bit to get there. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about that. That is truly something you give up for the sake of a better cause. Your marriages are a better cause. Yeah. You have to give up your parents. You have to give up your siblings, but you don't really give them up, but you're giving them up to form your own garden. Yeah. And that's for a better cause because look at Brooke Hall. That girl was attached to her daddy. The day she got married, you could feel it in the church when the divide happened. But now she can only now advance with who? Larry. She can receive the blessing of her relationship with her dad, but her true closeness has to be now with what? You could feel it in the church. That divide was happening, and that was sad because love was so great. But now it wasn't love that could produce anymore. It wasn't a love that can produce. Don't get me wrong on that. A love still produces, but keep in mind, it's a different production now. It's just different. So that's the beauty of that. So I like that. Something you give up for the sake of a better cause that is your marriage. Yeah, I mean, you know, so of course, sacrificing, you're going to have the suffering. And then, you know, in that same, in Romans, it still says... You know, rejoice and exult and hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I mean, of course, when you're when you're sacrificing it, you know, even at the beginning, you're going to go through sufferings. And so that's Romans twelve twelve. Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So of course, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting to go through sacrifices, you're going to, yeah, you're definitely going to feel the pain. But then you get to the point where it's just, it becomes more of a breeze and, you know, it's not an issue. And then you don't, like I was saying, you don't even realize you're doing it. And and then that was the next point is you, you make it a lifestyle and part of it, just keep growing in it. And so what's next? Romans 5, 8. Yeah, that's what we're going to end with. So the ultimate sacrifice, but God shows and clearly proves His own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So of course, God sacrificed His only Son for our sake, and Jesus sacrificed His body, His life, and you know everything to take on all of our sins and burdens and everything wrong. So. That's the ultimate sacrifice. If we take on that that mindset that Christ did, that Christ had and God had, even when the other person fails us to still sacrifice um, wholeheartedly, not holding on to anything, that is a deliverance for us and possibly for the other person as well. Because a lot of times that can be hard to sacrifice if a person continues to hurt you. And sin against you. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, just, it was a sacrifice as, as much as, I guess, your old way, if she's dishing out of me, I just want to go back. It's so bad and just dish it right back. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying that's what you want to do in the old way, but knowing, you know, it's, 
I guess it's a sacrifice not to do that and to move on as much. And it's suffering, not, yeah, being able to yeah. say what you want to say. And so, yeah. Excommunicate the devil right out of your head when you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think if we all just, you know, had that, if we all just kept that in our mind, that the ultimate sacrifice was what Jesus did and what God gave up, if we took on that mindset and tried to mimic what they gave up for us and we did that for other people, think about what the world would be like. When I feel anger rise, or like I have like that thing that's trying to jump on me, I just smile. That's what I do. I just I focus on smiling. So if me and Tori Crazy are getting eyes. ready to like have a spat, and she's looking me right in my eyes, and like she's talking to me, I would just have the biggest grin on my face. <laughs> the huge. I just. And before you know it, everything is just like, I don't even know what she's talking about anymore. And she don't even know what she's talking about anymore. We're both smiling. We're gazing into each other's eyes. <laughs> but that's what I practice. I heard a story about how uh, Gene was meeting with somebody. Maybe it was uh, somebody on Jenny's uh, family or something like that. And, they, and all he did was just sit there and smile. You know, when he was receiving persecution. I'm not saying Tori like persecuted me, but... It, oh, yeah. You know? So I tried to do things like that in my mind, and me focusing on trying to smile, it actually blocks the actual attack that I'm taking because I'm just like, okay, just put a big grin on. So I'm talking to myself, talking about putting a grin on. And she, then she's like, what are you smiling for? Why are you smiling? And I just start staring into her eyes. But it's amazing how fast just doing that, you might be angry at first, but then you yeah. start doing that, how quickly it changes. It, uh, yeah. And Oh yeah, so so Kim, we were in the kitchen at her old house, and like she was feeding Mills in this little booster seat or whatever, and then you know I could tell she was mad at me. She wouldn't speak to me or nothing, and um, yeah, I mean you could just yeah you could just feel it, and so you know it, it started. You could feel it like you know just kind of working on me and all that, and I just the idea came in my head, and it's like this is completely, I mean. Y'all probably know this is not what I would do, or you would picture me doing. But um, I I just walked up to her. She was fa- she wasn't even look at me, so she was facing Mills. I walked up behind her, and just gave her a big hug and held on to her. And I said, I said, Mill man, love conquers everything. <laughs> and she, <laughs> and you can see it. I was like peeking around at her at her face and like had my face all hurt and all that. And all you could see was that grin or that. I mean, how does that not make you smile? Then you break. I mean, yeah, just, and then that very second, she was completely fine. (laughs) Love everybody. Which is what I usually do, or would have done. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much all we have. <sighs>